0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Blue Tech Tasting Menu. My name is Divya Ina and I'm your host for today. This week, we look at sensors and big data. Much of what we've spoken about and produced last year and this year has been about sensors and online analytics. Water security, safety and process optimization are all key benefits of early warning systems, and this very much ties into the theme for the forum, which is Water and the Fourth Industrial Revolution. However, when we speak about sensors this time round, we've chosen a slightly different angle to the topic, and at the forum, we will look into how sensors, when combined with data analytics, can help with asset management. Our technology assessment group member, Dr. Karina Carpentier, who's an expert on the topic, will host the roundtable. We'll hear Karina say a few words on this today. Hi, Karina. Thank you for joining us. A question for you here. Asset management, or rather, restoring water infrastructure, has been a hot topic even throughout Trump's election campaign, and this is also something that you'll be presenting on at your roundtable in Dublin this year. The title for your roundtable is Sensors and Big Data in Buried Infrastructure Asset Management.
1: Yes, that's correct. Um, this year we chose to approach the sensor topic from a specific angle. You see, Sensor technology is not a goal in itself, but it's a means to an end. There's not a single operator in the world who will set a goal to install as many sensors as possible in his system. Operators generally deal with data-to-management of their systems and the right sensor technology in the right place can assist in this task. So for this year's roundtable briefing, we chose to address the topic of sensors and data anal- analytics in relation to asset management of drinking water distribution networks and sewer systems.
0: And what areas within asset management are we seeing it being used first? Um,
1: asset management is important for various reasons. And many pipelines, both sewer systems and drinking water networks, were installed decades ago. And the problem with buried infrastructure is that you do not see it. So, In terms of maintenance, these networks have been more or less neglected in the past. Repairs are often very costly, but um, if you can reduce leakage, you can also significantly increase revenues. And aside from that, pipe bursts and leakage also undermine public perception and consumer confidence and that can really damage a utility's reputation. I mean, the distribution network in drinking water is the one thing that stands between the treatment plant on one hand and um, the consumer on the other. So if anything goes wrong there, it will directly affect the perception that the consumer has.
0: Mm -hmm. But there's there's often a view... um that utilities are, are, are slow to adopting these technologies. So, what is required to increase the adoption of, of smart water technologies, and what do technology providers have to bring to the market um, for utilities to to adopt this technology?
1: Well, tech suppliers know that um, a leak detection and pipe inspections are very uh, important and they can bring to the market technologies that will make it as easy as possible for utilities to access and assess these systems effectively. And for pressurized systems, such as drinking water networks, you could think, for example, of a company called Pure Technologies in Canada. They offer, for example, the smart ball technology to detect leaks and for non-pressurized systems, companies such as Red Zone Robotics also offers technologies for pipe inspections and cleaning. And all these systems aim at providing easy ways to, um, to determine what's going on underground.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much, Karina. We look forward to listening into your roundtable at the forum this year. Thank you next we look at the uv led market uv disinfection technologies are one of the top five fastest growing water treatment technologies out there solid state uvc leds use a fundamentally different way to generate uvc light and are anticipated to become highly destructive to the uv disinfection market bluetech have recently revisited the uv led market and have updated our innovation impact analysis report now this report summarizes key the key points in this market also looks at areas of potential breakthrough and the technologies that may disrupt this market and on what timeline. I speak to Alison Ireland, my colleague at Bluetech Research, who's been looking into this area.
2: UV LED in the water sector um, is a new, it's still a very new technology. Um, It's been around for some time, but it hasn't become commercially viable quite yet. It's, people have been quite excited about the prospects of UV LED um, because it seems clear that it is going to become very prevalent um, in the next few years, um, but nobody's been quite sure when up till now. Um, the main function of it is that traditionally UV disinfection has been done with a mercury lamp um, for a long time. It's got about a 100-year heritage, I think. Um, but the idea is that now, with the increase of usage of LEDs, and the, the, the other sectors which aren't um, disinfection, you know, the light sectors, has become so common um, that it becomes it's becoming inevitable that it's, it is going to come into this um, into this disinfection sector.
0: Thanks, Alison. Of course, as we know, UVC LEDs have several advantages over conventional mercury lamps, and we go into more detail in the report. But I suppose one big advantage that stands out is the opportunity for point-of-use applications.
2: They're also instant on, instant off, uh, whereas the Mercury lamps have a warm-up period, uh, so you can't really keep turning them off and on all the time, or or at least um, they they don't work for point-of-use applications, um, whereas LED, UV LEDs work for point-of-use applications. Um, They've also got um, adaptability of design in their favour, so because the actual the lamps are so much smaller and more robust you can make very small units uh, which could fit underneath a sink for example or in a laboratory at each desk station um, and, and that kind of thing so lots of point of use um, opportunities for uv leds there
0: but addison well when will the uv led technology truly start to become cost competitive with mercury lamps
2: but the main um, kind of issue at the moment is still that there, there's only a few commercial applications of LEDs so far and that's because they're not cost efficient or energy efficient enough yet um, and the main, what we have to look at to try and assess when they're going to become uh, competitive with the traditional mercury lamps is actually the companies which make the, make the lamps, uh, the bulbs and they're mainly based in Asia. And the reason I think that they're going to come up more quickly over the next two years is because we've seen quite a lot of movement in that Asian company, those Asian company markets and recently. So at those companies, we've got um, Nikiso, who now own Aquasense, and they do have a commercial application with their Pearl Aqua 24G. Um, it's one of the best. Um, it's certainly the got,
0: it's certainly the quickest acquisition we've seen in the private water sector yeah
2: definitely Yeah, yeah um, and uh, it's in Korea um, mm-hmm. they also they're the major shareholder in the American company SETI too and um, they in January of this year they were announcing that they're going to commercialize UVC LEDs for and their disinfection and that they also anticipate a lot of competition from other companies in Japan Taiwan and China so right. they're, they're expecting lots of people to be doing the same thing in that region um we've also got asahi Kasei, who own crystal is um and they make the clarin uvc leds and they're actually being used commercially for lab water applications at the moment so mm-hmm. that's another commercial use
0: yeah well i think i guess we'll have to just wait and see what the how, how the market plays out in the next couple of years but uh Great. Well, that was a fantastic overview of what's going on with UV LEDs. Thanks very much, Alison. Thank you for your time. Thanks very much, It
2: It's good to talk to you.
0: <laughs> very nice speaking with you.